This is episode 41, Innovating Dangerously with Brian McClelland, part 1. Mabuhay and welcome to the Best of You podcast. Each week, we give you an inspirational person or message designed to empower you to go further faster. Is someone getting the Hey guys, this is Mike and welcome to today's show. We have an amazing man for you today, the Bamboo Bicycle Man, <laughs> Brian Benitez McClelland. Wow, not only did I spend time interviewing Brian, but I got to spend almost half a day with him, going into Intermoris in Metro Manila and actually experiencing firsthand the tours that his company um, facilitates across the Metro Manila area. What an experience. So let me explain about who Brian is. So he's a Filipino-American. He's an environmental consultant, an ecotourism developer, and a social entrepreneur who founded Bambike. So we're going to have all the show notes for you guys here too. And I, I can't, whew, can't, such an amazing experience I had. And the story behind um, these bicycles and these tours is extremely powerful. They are premier bicycle, bamboo bicycle. Um, you get, and go, when you go online, on our show notes, you'll see exactly what these things look like. He, it's a social entrepreneur, um, so they're connected with a community from Gawakalinga. And we're, in this episode, we'll learn from Brian on how he's thinking, his perspective, his life has brought him to where he is today. And the lessons he has learned from the years of building BAM bikes. So enough from me, an inspiring interview with Brian. Check it out. This is part one. Part two is to follow. Thank you. Well, let's jump straight into the interview. What are you most grateful for in the last 24 hours as you reflect? What are you most grateful for right now? Well, I guess I'm most grateful for the opportunities that have kind of revealed themselves um, for where I am now in life and, and kind of the course with which my life has been taking and as of late, wherein um, my passions are really aligned with the opportunities that are coming my way. And <clears throat> I'm most grateful that my career path doesn't feel like work, it feels like life. Mm. And for that, I couldn't be more grateful in that, you know, I don't count the hours that I work. Mm. I wish there were more hours in the day to do more of what I do. Yeah. Because I feel like I'm at a point in life now where the business initiatives are gaining traction yeah. and uh, talented people are coming into the picture. Yeah. And they're helping, you know, grow the movement which we started you know so many years ago and i'm really grateful that people are recognizing how working with us can really um achieve you know goals for a greater greater good and a and a better philippines beautiful and obviously and you can we're going to be talking about band bikes as we go throughout the interview but if you're is there a particular feedback that you got, whether it be from the beneficiaries or, or tourists or 
But what compliment have you received that you're most proud of? Uh, well, for me, actually, I'm, I'm proudest to read on certain reviews of the tours or of the bikes when my team is mentioned. Mm. Um, that makes me most proud because I can see that uh, what I've been able to kind of set the foundation for is taking on a life of its own. Yeah. So, for example, from the beginning of Bam Bike Eco Tours, I never wanted it to be kind of Bam Brian Eco Tours. Yeah. I wanted it to be Bam Bike Eco Tours, where I wasn't the focus, yeah. um, and you know, it wasn't a character-driven tour, but it yeah. was more an experiential tour. Mm -hmm. yeah. And now, reading through some of our TripAdvisor reviews and mm -hmm. on social media. I can see how much our local and foreign guests have enjoyed their trips with our different staff members. Mm. And for me, that makes me so proud because, in effect, it's an indirect compliment to what we've been able to accomplish. But I, I take a lot of, uh, you know, I, I, I take a lot away and I get a lot of happiness from seeing my team yeah. feel empowered and, and applauded for it. Excellent. Mm. And I can testify that myself from today. An excellent tour from your team members. Is there a, this is a tough one, but is there a quote or a verse that really inspires you on this journey? So there's actually one. I was reading a book last night, funny enough, and I was moved enough to take a photo of it. Oh, okay. In my Evernote. Not a plug. I don't work for them. But Evernote's fantastic. <laughs> um, and it reads this. There's a way of playing safe, there's a way of using tricks, and there's the way I like to play, which is dangerously, where you're going to take a chance on making mistakes in order to create something you haven't created before. And that's by Dave Brubeck. So this is in a new book which I'm reading, which is called Innovation, on how innovators think, act, and change our world. It was a gift given to me after a leadership talk which I gave just yeah. recently. And I hadn't cracked the spine until last night, interestingly mm. enough. And this quote really jumped out at me because I feel like I've always kind of been on the fringe when it comes to making choices in my life. And, and I knew that there was no sort of mold or archetype that I could follow yeah. on some sort of traditional career path. I had always felt inside me that there was... Um, kind of a a real interest in living on the edge mm. and pushing the boundaries of what you know was people thought was possible. Yeah. So you know, for example, even my own family said, you know, I don't think you can build a bamboo bike, and I was like, oh, you watch me now, you know. <laughs> and people were like, bamboo, like it's so cheap. It's is it strong enough? I don't think. Like people in the Philippines don't bike. And I was like, that's exactly the world I want to be in, in territory that other people haven't really explored yet. Yeah. Because that's where I find innovation really yeah. can get a foothold. Yeah. So reading this quote was exciting for me. I mean, because I've made mistakes, and I think you have to be comfortable enough with who you are to put yourself into situations where you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. And... 
like Thomas Edison made a thousand mistakes before he made the light bulb. Yeah. And it's, you know, um, really driving into unknown territory that leads to innovation. And that's um, part of what drives me forward mm. into the unknown. So this is, we're, later in the interview, I'm going to deep dive a bit into this more in terms of the fears. Uh, but you, you mentioned a book that you're currently reading. If you were to recommend to our listeners one book that has really personally transformed your thinking, what, what would that be? I guess a book it hasn't necessarily transformed my thinking, but rather given me uh, a new way to analyze life and understand things is Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers. Yeah. Um, before that, I read The Tipping Point. Yeah. And, and that was a very influential book for me as well. I've always really enjoyed Malcolm Gladwell and, and creative nonfiction. Um, those books helped me understand more pioneers um, of their own time in their own capacities yeah. and really um, helped me understand who I was because I've always felt, again, like I was on the fringe of normal society, that I was always a bit different. Mm. And um, I was actually looking up a new book, which I'm interested to, to get, which is uh, by Richard Branson. Yeah. Um, well, he has actually more books than I thought he did, so I don't know which one to get. <laughs> um, but I haven't read any of those, so I won't mention them. Um, other books which I really liked are by the author Robert Greene. Robert Greene. There's The Art of Seduction, which isn't purely, you know, romantic or sexual seduction. It's yeah. largely on social seduction and political seduction and, and ways in which characters throughout history have been able to influence society mm. and drive causes forward and influence... Um, you know, the worlds around them through their interactions with people in society. Yeah. So I've always found the social anthropology aspects very interesting in, in how leaders have been able to influence the masses. Yeah. You talked about, you mentioned Richard Branson. When you think of the word successful, and maybe I mean, in a way I'm asking for your definition of the word successful, but who do you think of? you think of successful, whether it be on the global stage or on the Filipino stage? Okay. Um, Who jumps to your mind? Well, he's one guy, Richard Branson, that I've always looked up to in yeah. his kind of cowboy entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Um, I use him to a degree as a sort of life peg in that he's able to orchestrate a number of large ventures and accomplish so many unique lifestyle brands yep. that his life doesn't feel like work as far as I understand. He's mm -hmm. able to play in the industries where he likes to derive pleasure from and innovate in that realm such that he identifies opportunities in you know, the industries where he is already a customer and can develop a better product and a better service 
yeah. for people. And I like to think that in my own small way, I'm, I'm having a similar influence in the world of bamboo and bicycles and ecotourism. Yeah. Um, so successful, I guess not looking at an archetype, but looking at what I define as successful is, is really related to the world of sustainable development. Mm. So in that where you have not only economic success, because it, it is critical to be able to have economic success, but doing so in such a way that takes care of you know, the people, the planet, yeah. and progress. And those are kind of the three pillars of where I founded the company. Yeah. People wherein you take care of the communities that you know, um, you're working with. In our case, it's in a GK community in Victoria Tarlac. Yeah. They're manufacturing the bicycles. But then I also have my team here. And, and really trying to understand my team's motivations, yeah. their worries, their fears, so that I can help them help the company as best as possible. Mm. So um, being able to have a team that isn't worried about where their family's next meal is going to come from or if their kid's going to be able to go to school yeah. or if their family's safe. I mean, the very basic um, measures of a livable existence that I work into what is part of my version of success for... Yeah myself and for the company because uh, steering a company that doesn't have people who are happy and safe and satisfied with their lives doesn't make me happy yeah and then planet you know creating uh, positive influence on the natural environment not a negative one where we're you know um, sequestering more carbon dioxide than we emit where we're regenerating wild habitat and, and um, wildlife sanctuaries in sustainably harvested bamboo plantations where we're you know stabilizing soil and the alternative is you know getting metal from mining sites and ore and imported stuff yeah. high embodied energy products um, you know we're trying to stay away from that as much as possible and really embrace um, the natural strength and beauty of bamboo um, and then progress is really developing and pushing the new green economy in a socio-ecological enterprise that um, kind of shows that business can be done better in a different way and really, um, you know, be distracted. Kuya, we'll edit this. It's okay, yeah, it's okay. Kuya, excuse me. So anyway, in the end, you know, we want to maintain the core values of the company, and I see success as being able to run and grow the business in a way that maintains with full integrity our values of people, planet, progress. Wonderful. But what is the best advice Brian ever received? Derived from my Scottish heritage and my father's Quaker background, our family motto is think on. 
and I guess it hasn't really impacted me much until now that I've been posed with this question. This just came top of mind. Mm. But as I move forward in life, I find it very important to stay curious mm. and to think on. And what that's caused me to do is really have a deeper understanding of what my personal motivations are. Yeah. And then also thinking on to what the people I work with uh, are motivated by. Yeah. And understanding that no one operates completely independently. We're all part of a larger ecosystem. And being able to have the awareness to wrap your head around um, the different stakeholders, the impacts that you know you have on their lives and their families' lives, and the decisions that we make as a company and as individuals, which really have a larger influence on you know the the entire ecosystem and it in a way has led up to in one degree you know conscious consumerism mm, but yeah. i want to also look at you know being on the supply side of that mm. and i've had to think on from where does my you know who's my bamboo supplier more upstream thinking okay well where do they get their bamboo from are they doing it sustainably? Are they affecting communities up in the mountains mm. in some way that I don't know about? Mm. And for me, it's important to continue thinking on that path and having a deeper understanding of the full you know, uh, value chain that we all depend on. Mm. From, again, this is an interesting book by William McDonough, uh, Cradle to Cradle, and Michael Baumgarten. I might get that wrong. <laughs> but they have a book called Cradle to Cradle, and it's about rethinking, you know, um, green design and, and, yeah. and product development in general. And, yeah, I guess those two words have had a very profound impact on my life mm. and caused me to have a greater awareness of who I am, what I do, and how those things affect the greater world around me. Wow, that's powerful. Okay, Brian, so this is my favorite part of the show, and it's about adversity. All right. So is there a particular setback in your life where you learn the most from that you want to share with us? I can't say there was any one major setback, but I guess there have been... A number of times where I really had to take a step back and ask myself what I was doing with my life. Um, part of that involved when we were just beginning to understand how to make the bamboo bikes. Um, we were located in a pretty rural town in the middle of a rice field. I didn't speak Filipino, and my small team of two builders didn't speak English. And I was, you know, sleeping on a concrete floor with maybe like a piece of cardboard and like my clothes bundled up as my pillow with no mosquito net, you know, sweating 
trying to fall asleep, wondering, you know, is what I'm doing going to ever make a difference? Like, am I on the right path? You know, have I made the right decision? And it was more or less a, a gut check, I guess, as I look back on it. I'm not one to be okay with starting things and not finishing them. Um, although that's a constant struggle because I like to start things. But in this case, I mean, you know, after we built our first bike, I learned quickly, oh, well, I should probably harvest a lot more bamboo to be ready for, you know, the next series of bikes. And, and throughout the whole building process, we've had a lot of kind of uh, checks and balances along the way to kind of test our resolve and make sure that we really wanted to be doing what we were trying to do. Because despite the, you know, mechanical challenges which we had, there was also the fact that I was more or less a solopreneur and that was one of the big challenges, you know, not having a full team that could really help share the struggles that you really face coming up, you know, from a startup position and trying to engineer a product in a community situation where, you know, you're entrusting people's lives, your customers have to trust their health and safety on a product that you're building. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, kind of gray area as we move forward. Like, okay, like, we don't really know about this species of bamboo, but let's give it a try. And, you know, I had to be the guinea pig and test it. Um, so it took years, really, to get the product to a point where I felt comfortable having other people really get in the saddle. Um, a lot of testing went uh, between, you know, our first bike and our production bikes. So between 2009 and 2012, when we were finally internationally certified, we had a huge amount of R&D and our own small kind of um, mistakes made. Uh, but then pivots, adjustments, modification, dedication to the cause, and perseverance, you know, are all part of the mix which got us to where we were. So there isn't any one thing, but I keep looking back at that time when I was sleeping on the floor of, you know, that school, asking myself, you know, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? And I guess to some degree that was my big test. And it was, you know, get through this and you'll be able to get through anything. And lo and behold, I mean, we've been able to gain traction and we are where we are now in part I think because um, you know we were able to move through that and um, and learn from all of the mistakes that we've made along the way wonderful Ryan there's a lot of our listeners who who want to pursue a dream but are holding back or maybe they're trying to pursue it right now and they're, they're getting a lot of discouragement especially from the ones they love can you talk to them right now in terms of what advice you would give them 
about um, continue on their dream and how to manage or to deal with adversity, especially from those that um, we love. So I think being an entrepreneur is interesting in that you know you have to be a pioneer in some sense of your venture uh, and when you're thinking about launching a business for me at least it was part from the head part from the heart <clears throat> and you can try and analyze everything and come up with the best business plan and use that to convince people that you know you're going to make a ton of money or make a big difference but in the end you know ideas are just ideas and it's the the heart and the the action that really will influence you know if you're going to make it or not and for me I was initially discouraged to pursue building bikes out of bamboo in, you know, the Philippines with a small community. Um, people didn't believe in bamboo. They didn't believe in bikes in the Philippines. It was pretty much an uphill battle. But I knew there was a part of me that just really felt like I had to give it a go and that I would regret it if I didn't take up the opportunity. Um, and my original business plan doesn't reflect really what we're doing now. I mean, you could have never predicted it. And I feel like one shouldn't get so caught up on having a, a business plan because you're never going to be entirely and completely ready to launch a new venture. I mean, you have to get yourself prepared enough to go into, you know, the mode of entrepreneurship with as much knowledge as you can, but you're going to have to operate with a degree of uncertainty. And, you know, if you're on the fence of whether or not you should start something, um, I mean, part of it is you need to understand like going into a venture kind of half-heartedly is doomed for failure like you have to get yourself to a point where despite incomplete information you have to commit and you have to commit hard and be prepared to endure you know periods of loneliness uh, you know spending money before you make money um, and you have to be convinced internally before you can convince other people that they should support you. I mean, that's really a huge factor in having the self-confidence in yourself to launch out because you're going to spend your time convincing other people that what you're doing is worthwhile or that what you're making is worth them spending their hard-earned money on. Um, but I think the rewards that can be gained from doing something that you love or that you feel is going to make a big difference in the world um, and if it helps people in the environment all the better you know, doing that has long term rewards and benefits that 
you can't quite put a monetary value on. And um, for me, I go through life thinking that if I were to not have tried something that I thought was a really good idea, I would regret it much more than if I had tried and failed. And I don't ever want to have those regrets of woulda, shoulda, coulda, but didn't. I'd rather say, oh, I tried it and it wasn't that great. Or I tried it and it was hard and then it ended up being the best investment of my life. You know, The people who risk it all and live a little dangerously, I think, are the ones that innovate and change the world. And, you know, uh, if you want to be doing something that's trailblazing, you have to put yourself out there. Mm. And I appreciate that. Um, one thing you touched on is building your, that I would like to kind of just get your thoughts on, how to build your confidence behind the scenes for, so that when you meet people, that you can relay that confidence. How have you perhaps convinced yourself that this is the right path? So you talk about maybe the, you know, the two wolves in your head, the black wolf and the white wolf, and which one you feel. How have you prevented yourself from quitting, giving up? I guess I've felt that helping develop the bamboo industry and alleviating poverty are at the core of what I am here for in the Philippines, on this planet. And, and bridging the gap between the Philippine islands and the rest of the world. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't realize when I was, you know, 20 what I would be doing. And I didn't realize that when I moved to the Philippines, I'd be building bamboo bikes. But having explored the idea of bamboo bikes for two years before I actually launched the company... Uh, it gave me enough time to just have casual conversations with people to gain perspective. And I think that's important. Of course, to a degree, you want to keep your ideas secret. A lot of people worry if they share their ideas, someone's going to steal it and run away with it. And you do have to be conscious of that to some degree. But I've matured a lot since then and realized that when I have a new idea, I'm much better off if within a trusted circle of people I can share enough of the idea to at least gain perspective on it and get some feedback. Because without any market feedback or any candid advice, you know, you could be operating in a, a realm that, you know, might not work or it might not exist yet and you're not sure if it works but that's the kind of thing you find out after talking to people exactly. and I needed to talk to people a lot and some people might not be comfortable with that but I think being an entrepreneur especially a social one yeah. and just by the nature of the title you have to bring other people into the mix yeah. and the more feedback you can get, the better. And then you will find that perhaps there are going to be like-minded people or people with complementary skills that are interested in that idea. And I would recommend that you don't go out and start a business just on your own. I think it's never really been shown that someone, person, can 
come up with an idea, design a product, build that product, sell it, handle the money, market it, and, and distribute it all at once. I mean, you know, there's so many moving parts in the logistics with something like that. And, and I was actually trying to be that person for so many years, and I almost burnt out, you know, getting myself to the point where the business was slowly growing, but it couldn't grow anymore because I would burn out if it did continue to grow and I didn't build a bigger team. And I, it's one of my, you know, regrets that I didn't look to strategically partner earlier on. So perhaps by sharing your ideas and fully understanding what you want to get yourself into, you could possibly find a co-founder or partners that can leverage their experience and expertise and networks to complement your skills and assets and bring the idea farther and further and faster than you ever imagined. Mm. So now when I come up with pivots and new ideas or expansions of what we've been able to do, I look immediately to find people that can help champion those ideas within you know, our group mm. that can you know, multiply time because time is the biggest limited factor. Right? There's money out there. There are resources out there if you look in the right places and your idea is good enough. But one person only has so much time. Mm. So you multiply that time by the number of people you bring on board. Yeah. So 24 hours a day becomes 48 hours a day with another partner. Exactly. And then that scales as you, you know, keep building people in and you work on efficiencies. And I'm realizing now that that's the only way to really grow. Mm. So... It's, um, yeah, hard to really know, again, when you should launch and how to go about it. But, again, thinking on your product, your idea, your innovation, and who might be a good person to work with in that and on that with will make you better prepared yep. to launch into a venture. Excellent. That's some great advice for uh, would-be entrepreneurs, whether it be social entrepreneurs or corporate entrepreneurs, whatever the, the opposite type. And there you have it, guys. That's part one of a two-part interview with Brian benitez McClelland. I encourage you now to go to part two. So please go to part two, which is episode number 42, where you'll hear the continuation of this very inspiring interview. For more inspiring interviews, I encourage you to go to our website, bestofyou.ph, You'll check us out on iTunes and Stitcher. You'll see many, many inspiring interviews with people from all sectors of society who are doing some amazing work in adding extraordinary value to the Philippines and Filipinos around the world. So that's on our website. You'll be able to see all the links to some other amazing interviews. But for now, I want you to focus on part two of this interview because Brian continues to share some very insightful insights that I know that you'll find of value. Okay, so that's, I will see you in episode 42 with part two of this interview with Brian. Thank you.